Okay, folks. So this morning, I want to share a word that I think has relevance for all of us in some way or shape. For some, it might, be, it might look different than for others. But it's something that I've actually never personally preached on. But actually, Johannes and I, he actually said he wanted to preach on it because I feel like it's been brewing in both of us. And it's something that I've particularly seen in this season that's a challenge for many, many people, especially Christians. So I want to speak about the joy of the Lord. I think that goes much deeper than that. It's something that, that actually if we, if we struggle in this area, that it will impact every other area of our Christianity, every other area of our lives. And so, you know, we spoke about the early church last week and we said that, you know, they were devoted. They were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. They were devoted to fellowship with one another. They were breaking bread in homes and um, they were devoted to prayer. And almost when when you look at it, we were talking in our home cell this week with our volunteers, and we were like, you know, this seems like the blueprint, but why doesn't church look like that? Ne? And then when you read further in Acts 2 and Acts 3 and 4 and 5 and 6, you see that there was something that was different about this group of people. They were marked by joy. If you read further, it says that they broke bread and they gathered in each other's homes and they ate their meals with sincerity of gladness, a gladness of heart. There was something inside of them that were, and remember, they were being persecuted for their faith. These, these guys didn't have a beautiful building and coffee served for them and, you know, children's church and all these beautiful things. They often had to gather in homes for fear of their lives. They were persecuted, but there was a deep joy on the inside. They were marked by the joy of the Lord. And I was just like, Lord, and so many people that we speak to tell us that, you know, I've, I feel like I've lost my joy. I feel like I've lost, like, why are some Christians so happy? <laughs> I remember going into my first church service and these happy people really annoyed me. Like, I was so irritated because they were so over-the-top friendly. And I thought, you know, they were just like putting on a show. But then, <laughs> then I realized, well, actually, there's something about joy. That doesn't matter what your circumstances look like. But you have a heart attitude and you have something on the inside that is. What I, what I actually started realizing is that if, you, if, you look at, if we look at Acts, so we are in the book of Acts, and we see that the Holy Spirit was poured out. You know, one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. Galatians 5, let's have a look at that scripture. It says the following. It says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, which is gladness, peace, patience, and even temper forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint. And against such things there is no law that can bring a charge. In other words, you can never have too much of any of that. That is God's heart. But what does that mean, the fruit of the Spirit? That actually means that there is a labor of producing. Who does the labor for the fruit? The Holy Spirit does the labor of the fruit. In other words, this is not something you and I cannot create patience or joy in ourselves. <laughs> I think we all know that, hallelujah, patience. You cannot create that for yourself. It's a work and a fruit of the Holy Spirit being inside of us. But we have to allow Holy Spirit to come and do His work inside of us. It's not something that we can strive for or attain ourselves, amen? 
And I was looking at that. But Romans 14 verse 17 says the following. It says, after all, the kingdom of God. Now, remember, ever since we started church, we started speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is as soon as you and I give our hearts to the Lord and we step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are born again into the kingdom of God. Okay? So that means the kingdom of this world, what we see in the natural, is not our first kingdom. Our first kingdom is heaven. Our first kingdom, even here on earth, is the kingdom of God. Now, this scripture, Paul says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of getting the food and drink one likes. In other words, the kingdom of God is not about getting or accomplishing or gathering things that we need in the natural life. In other words, things for your flesh, things for your house, things for your job. That's not the kingdom of God. He says, but instead, the kingdom of God is righteousness. What is righteousness? Knowing that I'm in right standing with God. Knowing that God is not mad at me. God is not an angry person. No, I am righteous because of Jesus Christ. So number one, the kingdom of God is righteousness. The state that makes a person acceptable to God, okay? That is yours when you accept Jesus. The inside, your inner man. That's the second aspect of the kingdom of God. It is ours, okay? And number three it is joy in the Holy Spirit. So we see that God's heart is for us to live with an understanding and live with the reality of the kingdom, which means righteousness. I know my God is for me. I know his favor is upon me. I know that I'm not in guilt and condemnation because Jesus carried that for me. And I know I have peace, the peace that only Jesus can give. And I must have joy that only the Holy Spirit can give. Okay, so that's the foundation I want to talk to, about today. Joy is your portion. Joy is your portion if you are a child of God, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, joy is a fruit in your life. Now, what is the problem? Why, why don't we have joy? Before I say that, I want to say what is the joy of the Lord? What is the joy of the kingdom of the Holy Spirit that the Bible is speaking about? When you look at the worldly definition, the world often tells us that joy is happiness, okay? Happiness, in other words, it's an emotion, it's a feeling, it's how I feel on a particular day. I either wake up happy or I wake up annoyed, okay? And it has to do with my external circumstances. In other words, if everything around me is going well, if everything around me is going smooth sailing, if, you know, my family, my husband, my wife is just, you know the way I need them to be, then I am happy. The problem with that, however, is if my circumstances are not going well, what if things around me start to crumble? What if lockdown comes? What if salary cuts come? What if I lose my job? What if someone in my family gets ill? What happens to my happiness? What happens to the feeling? That feeling will not be there anymore. And so that is the worldly definition, but the Bible's definition of joy is very different. And that's the joy that we want to talk about today. The Bible's definition is the, the joy of the Lord that Paul speaks about in the New Testament. The Greek word is kara, okay, C-H-A-R-A. If you are following on new version, the notes are in there. Kara relates to both grace and gift, okay? And karos, which means to rejoice or to express an intense joy. 
In other words, it's not just a, a happy-go-lucky feeling. It's an intense joy coming from the inside of your being. Amen? And that joy is a heart response to a gracious gift. In the Old Testament, whenever the Old Testament speaks of joy, it was often associated with people worshiping God. So we see even in, I think it's 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 30 verse 26, the Israelites were rededicating themselves to the Lord under a very good king, Hezekiah. He was a good king if you want to go and read about him. And the Israelites rededicated their lives to the Lord. You know, they had this journey of then they were for God, then they were against God. Then they were worshiping God, and then they were worshiping some golden calf. It was up and down and up and down. But in this instance, they were rededicating their lives to the Lord again. And the Bible says that God poured out His joy into their hearts. So joy in the Old Testament was always associated with people worshiping God, rededicating their hearts, going back to Him. And, the, and so even we see in the New Testament, joy is a gift from God. Some of those scriptures we just read now. And I believe joy is a supernatural gift from God. I don't believe that you can just wake up one morning and you can just have joy without God, without rededicating your life to the Lord, without giving it to Jesus. Listen to the scripture, Zephaniah 3, verse 17. And I want you, I want you to really zone in on, on some of the scriptures here this morning because I believe God wants to reestablish some truths of his love and his joy over us in our hearts. Because I think sometimes when we go through life, even as Christians, we can get to a place easily where we think God is mad at us. Because what the enemy will come and try and do is try and tell you how you're not worthy. He will try and attack your identity. He will try and attack your righteousness. He will bring your sin before you. Even stuff you've done in your past. Jesus, God's forgotten that long time ago. The Bible says when you, when you get born again, he remembers your sins no more. But the enemy will try and come. And so we need to understand what is God's true feelings about us. And it says, the Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one a savior who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction and in his love, he will be silent and make no mention of your past sins or even recall them. He will exalt over you with singing. He will exalt over you himself and is rejoicing over you. Not everyone believes that. Not everyone wakes up thinking, oh, God is excited to hear my voice. God is excited. God has joy over me. There's many people who wake up every morning and they think that God is mad at them. They think that, you know, they have to go into a hundred prayers of repentance. And repentance is good. But we need to know that God is rejoicing over us. So why are so many Christians living without joy? Proverbs 17.22 says, a joyful heart is good medicine. Okay? But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A crushed spirit dries up the bones. I believe so many people are struggling with joy. And they they walk around with a spirit of heaviness. And they walk around just struggling with life. Because number one, of broken fellowship with the Lord. Remember, even in the Old Testament, it started with rededicating your life to the Lord. Joy comes from a life connected to Jesus. There is no other way. You can try and find happiness in the world, but that's not the joy of the Lord that we are speaking about. John 15 says the following. This is a passage where Jesus speaks about the vine and we are the branches. And he's speaking about life that comes from him. When we are rededicating ourselves to the Lord, 
there's a life source. If we are not connected to the vine, if we are not connected to the vine, we cannot experience those things. Okay, so Jesus says here, I have told you these things, that my joy, whose joy? Jesus' joy and delight may be in you, and that your joy and gladness may be of full measure and complete and overflowing. So he's saying that I am the one that will produce this joy in you, but you have to be connected to the vine. You have to be connected to me. In John 17, he also says, he's praying. John 17 is the prayer where Jesus prays for all of his children. And he says to the Father, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I want to remind you this morning that joy is a gift from God and he wants us to walk in joy. Amen. The second reason I believe Christians are walking without joy, many of them, and this is a very important point, is that there is no renewal of the mind happening. Okay. The Bible speaks about the battlefield of the mind. When you get born again and you are saved, your spirit man is renewed. Amen. We receive the Holy Spirit. We've done this, these foundations. And so we know that our spirit man is alive in Christ. Our spirit is born again and new. But what about your soul? What about your mind, your will, your emotion? It takes die dinger. Okay? Remember the picture spoke about how the Israelites slavery, where we were before, under bondage. But God brought us out when we were born again into freedom, out into the promised land. But the Israelites wanted to return to Egypt. They wanted to return often to their old lifestyles, to old sinful patterns. Why? Because sometimes it's easier than going through the process of renewing our mind. Because now, you know, many of us, it depends on when you got saved. Some of us, like I got saved in my mid-20s. So, you know, I had 20 plus years of thinking in a worldly way, of thinking in a wrong way, of not understanding what God said about me, of not understanding what the truth of God's word is. And now I have to change my mindset. So this is the process. And often I think Christians think when I get born again, everything will just be sorted out. Yes, it is in the spirit, but your spirit or your soul man now needs to be transformed. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. That is a journey. That is you spending time with Jesus. That is you spending time in the word. That is us getting to learn the word of God. That is us getting to a place where we can understand like, what is the truth that God says about me? If I grew up thinking that I was a failure because my dad or my mom told me I'm a failure or my school teacher said I will never amount to anything or, you know, whatever it is, I was bullied as a child, I will grow up with that until I get to know the truth of God's word, which says the opposite. Okay? So what we often see, and maybe you relate to this, is that John 10.10 10 says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. His main aim is for you to never get born again. Okay? But Jesus said, I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance and to the full. That includes joy. That includes his heart for you to walk in joy. It is not God's heart for Christians and children of God to walk around with depression, a spirit of heaviness, bondage, weight upon their so shoulders so heavy that they can't get up in the morning. And so I believe there's freedom today. We need to, as, as Christians, we need to learn how to discern God's voice. And how do we know that? By spending time in the Word. And then we have to believe it, 
And then we have to make it our own. We have to get to that place where we believe more what God says about us than our circumstances. And I believe, and I've been in this position where, you know, when you are a new Christian and you don't yet know everything that the Bible says about you and you don't yet know your identity in Christ and you're not sure, you know, why, why do all these other Christians look like they have all this joy and you don't? I often find myself in a place of self-pity. I often find myself in a place where if the enemy, if I would get a thought that I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough or I'm alone and, you know, no one will, will ever pay attention to me or whatever your thoughts are, you would easily find yourself in a place of self-pity, a place where I think we have all been there. And it's easy to get there if we're going to focus on what the enemy tells us and if we are going to constantly focus on ourselves and our issues and our baggage and what is not right in our lives and our circumstances. I feel like sometimes that we get to that place of self-pity and that is the biggest enemy of joy. When you find yourself in a place of self-pity, you know, okay, Lord, someone needs to pull me out of this. And I believe that it's not always... It's not always as easy because when we live in a constant place of listening to the voice of the enemy and listening to the lies, listening to his accusations, listening to the nonsense that he puts. Remember, how does the enemy speak to you? It comes through thoughts. Okay? Not every thought is your own thought. Okay? Sometimes, and this is where we need to understand the gift of discernment. We need to discern and we'll only be able to discern if we know the word of God. And... You know, I believe so many Christians struggle with depression. And depression is a real, real serious issue. I remember, you know, I, I was probably saved a year. No, this was probably a year before I was saved. Where I actually find myself very, very depressed. I came back from overseas. I lived in London for two years and I had a great time. And, you know, then I came back home and I just felt like there was no purpose. I got home and all my friends got married and they had the white picket fence life and they had the jobs and they finished studying and then they started having babies and, you know, this life. We went to the same old brides, the same old conversations, the same old complaints about the government and the this and the that and the crime and give it a boring gesprekke. And I was just like, Lord, there must be more to this. So I thought maybe I was just an adventurist, you know, wanderlust. I needed to travel more. So I went to America thinking I'll find another adventure there. And I got there and it was, you know, it was an exciting adventure for a few months. And then I found myself at the same place. <laughs> okay, my, surely there's more to life than that. I got home. People's children were just older, but they had the same conversations, the same rise and the same things. And, and I started having a lot of panic attacks and a lot of, I actually went to the doctor because I was, you know, I thought there was something wrong. And people said, I have to go to the doctor. They put me on antidepressant medication and, and, I had a lot of panic attacks, a lot of fear, a lot of underlying anxiety, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And eventually, I got someone invited me to, to a church, and I started going to church. And when I walked into that first worship service, I've never been to a charismatic church before in my life. The happy people annoyed me. And I got in there, and it was like something came over me. A peace, undescribable, came over me. And I, I just remember crying that whole first service, and I had no idea why. And someone started preaching a word and they said, Jeremiah 29, 11, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. 
And that broke me. I was like, I knew there was purpose. I knew there was something more than this life. And so not everyone's story of feeling depressed looks like that. You hold. Okay? Maybe there was a door open in your life or maybe you inherited it from a generation before you. Sometimes people be, can be depressed because of a hormonal balance in the brain. Okay? Sometimes you even see women giving birth. Sometimes their hormones are all, all over the show and they can have postnatal depression. Sometimes it's a natural thing in your body. But sometimes there's a spiritual root for that, okay? People that grow up always hating themselves. Maybe something happened in your childhood. Maybe something happened, you know, in your teenage years and you grow up hating yourself. Or you believe a lie for your whole life that you're not worth anything. You know, there can be so many reasons. Everyone's story looks different. Maybe you've confessed lies of yourself your whole life. Maybe you faced a series of disappointments, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And you feel like you can't catch your breath. You feel like, where is my breakthrough going to come from? Maybe you are a person who really just sets unrealistic goals for yourself. And you never feel like you meet them. I was like that. I would always try and be 500 yards before I get there. I would try and get there. So you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Some of us live like that. Okay, maybe there was a serious illness. Maybe there was a lack of finances. Whatever it is, that is not God's heart for you. And we are going to trust God that a spirit of heaviness will lift off people this morning in Jesus' name. Okay, the third reason is we can have an incorrect focus. Colossians 3 verse 2 says we need to set our minds on the things of heaven, not on things of this earth. I guarantee you statistics, if we only look at the news, if we only look at what's happening around us and we are not focusing on heaven, it's going to be very hard for us to get to a place of joy. The Bible actually says in Luke 10 verse 20, the disciples, and man, I think I would be one of these guys. Jesus had given them authority and he said to them, go out, go preach the gospel, go raise the dead back to life. He said to them, go and heal the sick Go and cast out demons. And so they started realizing their authority and they were moving in the power of God and they got so excited because the demons were obeying them. When he said, go out in Jesus' name, they listened. And they went to Jesus and they said to Jesus, can you believe it? Even the demons obey us. And Jesus had this very strange answer. He said to them, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your name is written in the book of life in heaven. And I thought that was profound. I thought, okay, Lord, I would be very excited if those demonic spirits obey me. But Jesus says, be more excited, have more joy, rejoice because of your salvation, because of something in the heavenly realm that's already done and accomplished. And I know it's hard. This is a daily choice we have to make to choose where we are going to focus. If we are constantly going to focus here, we are, get, we are going to get to that pit of self-pity daily. And I know, Johannes and I have those days. I can't exceed. I says, no, never. <laughs> okay. We rejoice because of what is said before us. And number four, I believe we get to that place because of sin. Sin separates us from God. We can be a Christian and we can still live in sinful patterns that God wants to heal and restore and establish. He's already forgiven us. But he's calling us gently and lovingly out of destructive patterns in our lives. It's that Egypt. We are born again, but we need to get Egypt out of us, out of our thoughts, out of our mind, out of our heart, out of our actions. 
Ephesians 4, I think it's verse 20 or verse 30, says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit when we stay in sin. Ephesians 4 verse 30. A clear conscience will increase our joy. And you might be saying, okay, well, that's really great. How do I receive the true joy of the Lord? That's what everyone wants to know. Okay, there's no awesome, who come up with joy? How do I receive the joy of the Lord? Number one, I believe we need to rededicate and really surrender our lives. And I know I'm actually preaching to the choir this morning because you are here <laughs> on a very cold Sunday morning. But this, this, is, this is where it starts. We cannot have life without the vine, without Jesus. It starts by rededicating our lives to the Lord, okay? That's step number one. I like steps because I hate it when someone preaches a word and I don't know what to do with the word, okay? I want to read the scripture to you, Isaiah 61. And this is our main scripture this morning. This is Jesus. This is actually a prophecy about Jesus. It says that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God and this is where I want us to zone in to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes everyone say beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness there it is again can you see how joy, peace, and righteousness always go together? When I know I'm in right standing with God, I will have peace and I will have joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? So Jesus wants to give an oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. When we walk in joy, Jesus is glorified. Amen? Number two, we need to spend time in God's presence. Psalm 16 verse 11 says the following. Do I have it? Oh, I don't have it. Let me read it. Sorry. It says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Okay, what I sometimes do when I go into a pit of self-pity, I've learned the quickest thing, I will, the quickest way I will get out of it is to praise. And who knows that the hardest thing to do when you get into self-pity is praise. <laughs> Next and Yavolni. But I've learned that that's the only way to get myself out of that pit where I feel no joy, where I, I need to remind my heart, my mind to focus on the things above. And I put on my worship music. I put it on loud. I put it in the car. I've got it on my phone. I will put on my worship music and I will start praising the Lord and asking Him to fill my car, my room, my house, wherever I am with His presence because there is the fullness of joy. Amen. So we are going to take some time today to focus on the presence of the Lord. You know, people can pray for you. People prayed for me and a spirit of fear broke over my life instantly. Anxiety, panic attacks stopped instantly. But I still had to then walk out so I don't get back to that place. Renewing my mind, learning how to get into the presence of the Lord. And maybe it feels like work when you are in that place. But let me tell you, when God comes and when his presence overshadows you, they flee, they have to go because of the presence of Jesus Christ. He wants to give us the oil of joy. 
Number three, we need to be planted. I will always preach the scripture. Psalm 92 verse 13 says you need to be planted in the house of the Lord because when you are, you will flourish in the courts of our God. And again, I'm preaching to the choir this morning, but maybe there's a friend that needs to hear this, that God will bring on your path for them who has lost his or her joy. That, we, that God's going to use you to pray your life on our own. We need to be planted. When we are planted, our roots can go down deep and we can be in fellowship and if I see that someone is going into a pit in a place of self-pity, I can pull them back up again. Sometimes we need help. Sometimes it's so hard. We're so deep and far into that pit that God will send a brother or a sister to help pick you out of that pit. Amen. But when we are alone, it's very hard for anyone to know that you're in a pit. Number four, we need to shift our focus. Psalm 100 says we need to make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. You know, one thing that really established my joy in the Lord, and you can ask Johannes, I wake up on a Sunday morning with joy. I'll is it goat, even if I don't feel like it. There is an unexplainable joy in my spirit when I know I can come to the house of the Lord, when I can preach the word of God, when I can worship with other believers. And it started when I started serving in the house of God. This is very practical, but this is, this is my testimony. This is how I felt my joy was increased. I, I promise you, when I started serving in church, it was a sacrifice. It wasn't lack of waking up, okay? It took something. It cost me something. But the result, the fruit of that joy, I will never, I've never lost that. I've had days of self-pity. I've had days of unhappiness, okay, and chrompoterigheid and stuff like that. But when we start giving, when we start serving, when we start focusing on other people, God starts to heal things on the inside of us. But if we are constantly going to stay in a place where I'm just going to focus on me, myself, and I, it's going to be very hard for the Lord's joy to feel. It's a good reminder for us this morning. Where are we serving the Lord at the moment? And serving doesn't just look like church. How is it 10 o'clock? We are going to take a few moments to worship. And maybe we go five minutes after, after 10. But I want us to just, we can, we can put on those music, or the music that is just going to be soft background music. And I just want to pray for you this morning. And I want you to just close your eyes. And I want you to just focus on Jesus. I want you to not even think about anyone around you. Do not think of your circumstances. Do not think of the lockdown, of your job. Do not think of anything else in your world right now. I want you to give 100% of your attention, your heart, your mind, your focus to Jesus right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will just fill this room with your presence. You are already here this morning, Lord. Fill this place with your presence. More, more of you, Lord. More of you, Jesus. And I want you this morning, if, you've, if you feel like you're in a place and everyone's eyes just closed so we can give everyone some privacy and, and the team, I want you to zone in this morning. God wants to minister to all, all of us this morning. If there's any area in your life where you feel empty, where you feel like you've lost your joy, there is no shame in that this morning. God wants to, the picture I have in my spirit is just like a cup of of hot oil that God wants to pour over every, over your heart, over your past and over your future.
over your marriage, over your parenting, over your finances, every area of your natural life. And he's saying, I want to pour out my oil of joy for those who are mourning. And I want to pray over you this morning. If you've ever struggled with depression, with the spirit of heaviness, while everyone's eyes are closed, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. There's no shame. We've all gone through this. So I want you to be honest. This is a turning point for some people this morning. Raise your hand to heaven. You're not raising it to me. You're raising it to God as a prophetic action this morning. And you're saying, Lord, come and break this over my life now in Jesus' name. And Father, I come against the spirit of heaviness. I come against depression that is from the pit of hell. And I break its power over your people today in Jesus' name. Lord, and I ask Jesus, you have, you have given us your word, Lord, that you, have, you are anointed, Lord, to release your oil of joy over us. And Father, I come and I release an oil of joy over your people this morning. Lord, where there's been tears, I thank you that you will replace it with laughter, unspeakable, uncontainable joy over your people now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just receive it. Allow him to pour. Just stay in this position and just receive from him. See him pouring liquid love over you. Fill them with your peace, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Release your joy, Lord. Release your peace. Fill your children. As they come before you, Lord, fill them, Lord. More Holy Spirit, come, Lord. We are here for you, Jesus. Depression will flee in Jesus' name. I release a garment of praise over people instead of a garment or a spirit of heaviness. I see it lifting in the spirit. It's breaking off of people right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you are the lifter of our heads. I pray Romans 15 verse 13 over you that the God of hope has filled you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that the inspiration and the fountain of hope is you, that you fill people to overflow with an uncontainable joy and perfect peace as they trust in you. I pray that they will be agents of hope, agents of joy, that wherever they go this week, they will release your joy. They will release your peace. And Lord, as they go home, I pray that you will continue to minister. Your spirit will continue to minister to people. In Jesus' name.